Oh, right. Ooh, coordinating is my specialty. These guys are one of those sexy cultures that run everywhere and kiss hello, right? Their society is wellness-based, yes? Well, yes. Let's get down there and get the party started. We aren't going anywhere. Mr. Billups, you and your man are heading planetside to liaise with the Delanians. What? Really? I mean, usually engineers are the ones who do the repairs, but if that's what you want, then... But they'd be better and faster at this than us. Don't question my orders, Ensign. We're perfectly capable of repairing an elev... Uh, an orbital lift. Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Adam Bowen, and with me, entering a sacred hall without an exposed navel is... God, I hope I don't have to do that ever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's Rudy Kusbaker. And today, we are covering um, the second episode of the third season of Lower Decks, The Least Dangerous Game. Uh, for me, danger does lie in exposing my navel. It is not quite well shaped, my tummy, not yet. So, uh, wait, it is. It is good that this we are not visiting this planet then. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the analogies are just getting weirder and weirder. Yes. Um, so let's just move on. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. So make sure to follow us on social media. That's at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, while you're at it, uh, tell your friends about the podcast, and uh, both you and your friends should uh, give us five star ratings on Apple Podcasts. I don't even care if they have never listened to the episode, but don't tell Tim Cook that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and as always, a spoiler warning, you have been forewarned. Um, you should probably watch this episode before listening to this podcast. Um, we also may spoil other parts of Star Trek um, and and maybe sci-fi in general, beyond sci-fi. And we've always been striving to spoil reality. Um, we always joke that we can't do that. If we could, we wouldn't be sitting here talking. Um, we'd be... Um, would he would be Marty McFlying the almanac or something, right? Like <laughs> could tell the future. But but um there may be something that we inadvertently spoiled in reality. So continue to listen on if um if that's the case. I'll reveal it in my strange new take. Yeah. Uh, well I mean we we didn't spoil uh the launch of the um the Artemis one, uh because that, that, that just didn't happen, right? Uh, is that, is that still scheduled for tomorrow? Uh, it is not scheduled for tomorrow. It is scheduled for a day after, but that has very much to do with what I was talking about. So if we want to jump into a strange new take straight away, I can talk about it. Um, uh, we're already talking about them. So I, I, I say, let's just go into strange new, strange new takes. <laughs> so he, he, here's my take. Here's my take, um, on my take. Um, last week. I think I haven't listened to it. If if anyone listeners would go back and have a look, I actually thought I mentioned that the launch was happening this weekend. Uh, I I do remember mentioning a date. Maybe it was not this weekend, but I said the following weekend, and that wasn't the case. Um, sometime during the weekend, I realized that it was on a Monday. I'm like, oh, I, I may have said the wrong thing in in uh, <laughs> in, in the podcast. 
And so then when I woke up um, here on the West Coast at five in the morning to try and see what was happening and, and realized that the launch was scrubbed, I wasn't that disappointed. I was like, uh, maybe I I didn't have people unintentionally miss the launch. <laughs> um, so maybe, just maybe we foretold a little bit of the future because it is happening this weekend. Well, it was supposed to happen tomorrow, but NASA's moved it again. Uh, I think they moved it a day or so. Um back to day after tomorrow that is on saturday currently scheduled for just after 2 p.m eastern at 2 17 p.m to be specific i love how precise they are with these um and then this is the opening of a two-hour launch window so they could launch anywhere in those two hours okay um, ma- makes sense I, I i guess the uh the question is, will I get this podcast edited and uploaded by then? <laughs> or are we talking about something that's already going to be out of that's this? That's actually a good question. Um, we're, we're recording much earlier than usual. Time. Yeah, yeah. I thought of that last time as well. Uh, if not, it will be one of these strange mysteries. Huh? Um, anyways, so so that's happening. Um and yeah, the one the, the one the one was planned for tomorrow around uh, around noon got moved out again because of weather. So fingers crossed. A lot of people have probably traveled uh, since it coincides with the long weekend, and it's 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 fitting in now nicely with the long weekend. So so yeah, fingers crossed for everybody who is uh, who's out there. Just an editor's note from a few days later. It turns out that NASA has decided to forego additional launch attempts for the Artemis 1 in early September. I expect Rudy will keep you all updated in future strange new takes. My strange new take for this episode is also an interesting and strange one. And I'm going to take a little liberty and speak about it um, for, for a while because it's just the two of us. Um, I think the true call to fame or the true mortality that Boimler will achieve going forward is is you know going into the hall of fame of cartoon screams you know we have homer simpson there for sure and and yeah. then and then and then um so i was and i i think i mentioned this in i think the first season or one of us mentioned it in the first season that Boimler drew some parallels to the the character Fry from from mm. uh, Futurama, yeah, and so he also had like this comical, goofy, uh, cowardly approach at stuff at times, right? And he also had a scream. So I went ahead and started, you know, to look at to, to see if there's similarities between the Homer scream and the Fry scream. And so I googled Fry scream, and while I did come across the character Fry and his screams, and they're very similar to. Uh, Homer and the way the 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 mouth sort of like sine waves or whatever oh, yeah, in a cartoon yeah. style a um, classic. <laughs> but I stumbled upon this whole new concept to me called a fry scream, which is actually like I think based on my my you know rudimentary surface reading, you know, heavy metal rock band type of scream. Oh yes, and and so there, I was like watching these YouTube videos about. How does one do a fry scream? I'm like, oh, that's a lot of preparation for a cartoon character. <laughs> and, and so then I, I, you know, I, I got introduced to this whole concept of a fry scream, which I had no idea about. So yeah, fry screams, and then there's fry screams. Uh, hopefully, Boimler is just as famous as all of them at some point in the future. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't remember where or when I heard about this, but I, yeah. I I think I had learned about that sort of heavy metal scream 
as sort of a like how can these people scream all the time like at all of their concerts but then not lose their voices and it's because like it it is a fundamentally different type of scream they aren't doing the blood curdling shriek uh like you just saw a spider or uh something like that <laughs> so uh yeah uh, i guess go go uh try to look up how to scream like fry in futurama uh on youtube and instead watch a bunch of uh heavy metal uh uh screen preparation videos so yeah you may want to not include the word fujirama because i didn't that was my <laughs> mistake and that's what threw me off yeah it's weird like it's it's like they don't use like the throat right the vocal cords mm. in the throat they, they use like the inner sides of their cheeks and all these other things interesting it's very interesting yeah i wonder, yeah. wonder if this has anything to do with like of uh, what is it vocal fry uh, which I think is the thing that uh, people like to uh, uh, criticize. I, I think lots of people on NPR uh, have something called vocal fry. I, oh. I don't exactly know what it is, but apparently it makes people have an, an unpleasant sound. Uh, but it is it's it's definitely one of those things that like mostly it's uh, bros on the Internet using that to harass women. Uh, so oh, no. uh, don't go harass people. <laughs> Uh, uh, they're just, uh, recording with the voice that they've got, uh, and whatever. Um, speaking of, uh, whatever, uh, time for me to figure out what my strange new take is going to be. Sometimes you should just, uh, sit outside for a little bit and, uh, enjoy whatever kind of nature you have access to. Not everyone has like a backyard or, or whatnot, but like sit on, sit on a front porch or, or just go to a park and sit down on a bench or something. It's nice uh unless it's uh got horrible weather by you I, i'm sure there is some point of the year where you can do these things so go out and do that it's uh enjoyable um for the episode uh i can't help but to have spent a lot of time thinking about uh is uh is boimler's costume racist uh in the in the game that he's that he's playing uh He's, he's kind of wearing wearing uh, Klingon head ridges, which is totally fine in our world because Klingons, unfortunately, I, I don't think Klingons exist. Uh, but in Star Trek, it feels a little bit problematic. Uh, so I, I, I don't exactly know how I feel about that, but I, uh, it was distracting me <laughs> from their game. <laughs> that is that is so fascinating. I think we can take a wonderful detour for many minutes on that topic. I, I will What's just, your take? I will, I will just say, what is my take on your take? Um, I will just say that if you if you try to you know package and and try and anal analogize, move that over to our our real world whatever we know of it and and try to make an apples to apples comparison yeah that kind of feels messed up and but and i'm I'm no expert at this um i'm not even a you know average red person on 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 racial history um so whatever i say uh, big disclaimer a lot of respect a lot of humility i feel that in our reality impersonating or, or mimicking people from another race um especially when it's a more historically affluent race mimicking a less historically mm. affluent race that's where the problems lie right i think when you do it kind of the other way around unless you know in terms mm. of volumes like if somebody's you know in, in the third world and they're being made fun of 
for their first world appearance, then that's not right, irrespective of affluence and history and all of that. But um, I I feel in in Star Trek, like Klingons and, and humans and the Federation, like Klingons have repute, right? So... Yeah, that's actually um, an interesting point. Uh, so maybe that's not the case, but if, but if there was like a Klingon, you know, bullied as a kid, like war for somebody, right, or Belana on on a human dominated, in a human dominated yeah, environment, there's contextual that would be a problem. Things that yeah, 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 that that would uh, that would lead lead to that uh, people having like different uh, sort of interpretations of that. But yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about that uh, in the term in those terms because yeah, like the Klingon Empire clearly has. Uh, a might that is, uh, if not necessarily like equal in every single way, it it is uh, like it is a power that the the uh, Federation like has not that uh, they've not actually integrated with the the Klingon Empire. Like Klingon Empire has, has stood apart. There have been several wars that have happened, and not and neither has just like clearly conquered the other. Uh, so maybe to some degree, there's um, it. Uh, yeah, I, I I just hadn't I hadn't considered that perspective before that that maybe there there's enough that's different in sort of the Star Trek world that means that we can't always take uh, uh, sort of those analogies from how we interact with uh, other people on our own planet, uh, uh, sort of extrapolating extrapolating that out into the stars. Um, so yeah, but yeah. yeah. I, I, I would go as far. I, as, I would sorry. if sorry. if uh, uh, Chancellor Martok came in and saw this uh, saw this game playing and then said it was racist. I would be like, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he didn't make it right. It was the Ferengi yeah, who yeah. stole his voice or deep faked his voice or whatnot, uh, and his and his face and um, made these really cool games that uh, have a lot of appeal. Um, yeah, I would say. Again, a whole topic that I'm not an expert on, but I would say... 100%, yes. <laughs> Klingon... No, I was going to open another one. I was going to say Klingon superior... A Klingon parity with the Federation. Uh, considering that, I actually think they are essentially from a... I don't know, from an economic standpoint, but from a military standpoint and, and general volume standpoint, they are essentially a superior um, force to the Federation... Um, if the Federation, uh, outside of the Federation's, you know, uh, power through integrity and diversity or, or mm-hmm. whatever you call mm-hmm. it, right? Um, the, the powers of the many forces combined are more than their individual some kind of thing. So I think the Klingons are pretty badass. So, yeah, long story yeah, short. I mean, certainly we, we learned that in uh, Discovery Klingons basically defeated the Federation, uh, except for uh, uh, the crew of the Discovery was able to sort of turn turn the tide at, uh, towards the end. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you, ha- you do have a point there. Um, and speaking of points, this is the point where I realized that we're like 15 minutes into this, and I haven't even <laughs> uh, done our usual like intro because I I think sometimes we do that before the. Uh, uh, the strange new takes, but uh, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, uh, we are talking about the least dangerous game. This is the second episode of the third season. Uh, first aired on uh, September first, which was today. Uh, I watched it over lunch, uh, and then uh, it was written written by Garrick Bernard, uh, directed by Michael Mullen, and 
I I have gotten t- I I've uh that's that's nice siri uh <laughs> i have checked this uh too early and so no one has written the the year i feel like we are 2382 uh yep. so there we go that sounds right that was what we had last time i think so uh, yeah but, but that's that's interesting right for one this is the fastest turnaround we've had in recording uh we're not sure about getting it out but uh, in recording so um, I like it. And and then the other thing is, um, yeah, um, we can, we can just dive in. We can just dive into the episode. Sorry. I was thinking of something I, I lost track, but we can just dive in. Fair, fair enough. Uh, we're, we're playing fast and loose here today. So, uh, the episode summary, which does, it fortunately exist. I have, uh, had situations where sometimes it's just blank, but this time we have on a tropical paradise planet, Mariner questions Commander Ransom on how he structures his away team. Boimler makes a bold career decision. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, we, we've already talked about it, but uh, uh, we we open up on this scene of uh, uh, our our four main characters uh, playing. Uh, sorry if I uh, butcher the pronunciation here, but I believe it's uh, Batleths and Binooks. Uh been, I feel like I'm supposed to have a sort of a more gravelly and uh, maybe uh, some other uh, syllables in there that I didn't quite capture, but uh, obviously you, a, you... a reference to Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, reminded me a little bit of, of our uh, Star Trek adventures uh, that we've been uh, uh, playing occasionally uh, with the rest of the podcast crew. Yeah, for sure. Uh, maybe when you pronounce it, you have a little guttural throat in it like maybe the fry scream version of of klingon right yeah there we go <laughs> the nook <laughs> right <laughs> something that can easily cause a coughing fit or something like that <laughs> and i actually remembered what i was going to say before i was going to say that um for the first 15 minutes our listeners did not need to watch the episode because and so there was no need for a spoiler warning for the first 15 minutes <laughs> uh, but we had a very interesting topic though i feel hopefully we can touch upon it um in between seasons at some point um you know, ridges and and ridges and racial inequality in in the star trek universe yeah, I, I feel like the, there have got to be some PhDs that I, I mean, because I feel like you can get a PhD writing about any anything like as long as it is like sufficiently esoteric. Uh, so hopefully someone has either already gotten one or is going to work on one and get it by by talking about uh, uh, whether or not Boimler was racist here. So, uh, uh, yeah, here here we've got a uh, I guess it's a Ferengi knockoff. Uh, there's a Galron expansion, but I, I think something that I I just appreciate about this is that this is the second instance of us like bringing in a classic uh, Star Trek character and uh, uh, kind of like ruining it on purpose because <laughs> we've got Martok, but it's uh, it's a a digitized Martok who is not actually present and is just part of a game. And I didn't do the homework on this, but is that the actual voice of the character that plays Martok? It sounded pretty legit to me. Uh, I, I believe so. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, JG Hertzler as uh, as oh, Martok. Oh yeah. Uh, nice. And I'm I'm trying to remember, but um, maybe this is something that I just shouldn't say uh, uh, without researching it. 
uh but they they did mention that that there there is a Galron um uh a Galron expansion and I believe that there is a reason uh that that is not something that we can do. Oh. Interesting. Well, you can just say whatever you want and then fact check yourself. That's that's possible. Uh well, I mean, so the the reason is that uh the uh Gowron has died. Mm. I mean, I that's that probably is not the actual reason. Uh but yeah. Uh so I think I was uh mistakenly believing that uh something similar had happened to the uh, actor, but it seems like he is uh doing just fine. He's alive. Robert O'Reilly. He's seven, 72. Keep keeping on going. Uh it's actually a Good point. Um, in a broader sense, right? With us growing up with Star Trek over the last two or three decades, um, we're we're getting into a time frame over the next five, ten, fifteen years where um, a lot of these characters will leave us a lot have le- left us, you know, yeah. in, in the recent past in terms of TOS, but it'll mm-hmm. it'll start. Um, happening a lot in the other seasons as well Uh, yeah i mean it's not something i like to think about but yeah uh, i i feel like a lot of the people in in uh tng voyager and deep space nine are all similar ages uh Mm. and uh, i mean deep space nine is has uh lost several people uh, already as well so um yeah it's uh it's it yeah it's 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 sad to think about all all these people that kind of uh I don't. I don't know about you, but I. I feel like uh, at least in some part, Star Trek helped raise me, uh, and so having some of these people uh, uh, pass on is is definitely like a. Uh, it's a it's a hard milestone that, that we all got to go through. I think I read somewhere. Now that you bring it up, it could have been a strange new take on another episode. But I think I read somewhere. I'll have to fact check. I read somewhere that Nichelle Nichols, part of her ashes are going to be launched on a vulcan rocket like there's a class of rockets called vulcan rocket and and i think that's been arranged so uh maybe that's we'll fact check that in the break and and come back and validate it but yeah if that happens that's that's pretty cool um but moving on to more um fun things um I, i'll admit that the first time i played um a D type of game got introduced to terms like D20 and all that fun stuff was with you <laughs> kind people. Uh, you, you were very kind with me and, and it was loads of fun. Um, but I'm not the, the, I'm not the best to comment on how legitimate the, the take was <laughs> the first five minutes were. Maybe, maybe you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, Adam I've being had, a, I, I've, I've had some experience. Uh, yep. I'm also a gigantic nerd and I listen to, uh, uh, other podcasts that are uh, sort of actual play podcasts. So, um, uh, not another D and D podcast is my favorite at the moment. Uh, uh, but I've also listened to uh, the Adventure Zone and uh, Dimension Twenty is a great. Uh, it's a it's a show uh, that is on the internet, so you can uh, watch or listen to any of those. Uh, they are uh, well recommended um, and I believe reasonably popular. So, uh, it's, I'm not alone in these kinds of, uh, uh, feelings, but yeah, it, it's, uh, I, it, it was, it was interesting cause it's, uh, this is sort of like a mix of 
video game, but also uh, uh, tabletop role playing because it like Gaur or uh, Martok is not actually uh, uh, there and is quite obviously like a bad hack uh, of the uh, uh, from the Ferengi because he, he sort of occasionally says things like I've heard you say four. Uh, <laughs> kind of branches things off from there but i i just i i appreciated having uh the characters i mean uh we have access to the holodeck so like we could just like have martok there and uh be like real klingons if we wanted to uh on the holodeck but i i, I think there's something charming about uh still having value for that like uh low-tech version of um a tabletop role-playing game where we just kind of like we dress up a little bit silly uh we put on weird voices and uh we just have some fun but um yeah yeah that's a good point um i i wonder if the future is not as equitable as the federation calls it out to be to, to especially the people who haven't joined the federation yet and they want them to join but i wonder if holodeck privileges privileges are much more limited for lower deck uh personnel and they have to deal with these um mm. these uh comparatively more ancient and and, and uh, rudimentary ways of, of playing i felt it was extremely easy because one of the things for me in, in playing these kind of games is um like when you roll a die and you have to figure out what you need to get done you kind of have mm. to be really well versed with the rules you need a game master all that stuff here are the guys like he's detecting the, like the die, the die is connected to the screen. In some yeah, form. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he knows what you rolled and he, he immediately shuts you down. <laughs> so that, that was nice in a way. Yeah. And, um, and, I, and I liked the, uh, he, he only has one setting. <laughs> he just screams out that uh, you got plus three to your stamina because you ate breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so we, we uncovered during this, uh, uh, during this game that, uh we now have captain vendome uh which uh boimler doesn't believe uh if if listener if you do not have any recollection who who vendome is he's been kind of a a side character that's on a number of uh been on, on a number of episodes uh and i think the um all the references that uh that boimler says uh like oh he's like the guy who gets stabbed with the spear uh that did literally happen to uh to Vendome. Uh and I I think he he like mistakenly took a uh, a wooden fertility token uh somewhere and uh had various other like uh uh mishaps happen to him. Uh so yeah, it's um a sort of our our motivation here for for getting uh Boimler to uh change his behavior. Uh how did how did you um did that feel like a good motivation to you, uh Rudy? I firstly forgot who Vandom was, so thank you for reminding me <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if he would uh, kind of, uh, if there was like a little bit of you know, uh, com you know, friendly rivalry going on between the two mm -hmm. in the past, or some kind of a, a career nemesis kind of situation, which in most cases can be healthy. Um, but Boimler was obviously devastated and I felt it was, it was a nice lens into how sometimes we look at, um, our own success, uh, in, in, in trying to always compare it with, with people around us, right. Or people yeah. who we use for measure. 
Um, I will go as far as saying, I think there's a book written on this called uh, something along the lines of mimetic desire where um, people, people, people want what others have and that's how they measure mm-hmm. happiness. And that's actually the basis for the creation of social media in the first place. Um, so yeah, that's, that's ah. pretty intense stuff. Um, and, and it was good to joke about it. Um, I didn't know at, at that point in time, you don't know if they're going to like tease that open and make it more of a major play for the rest of the episode. Uh, I had no idea, but it kind of went there. So, <laughs> so that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that, I mean, that's, that is a, a surprisingly deep uh, discussion to get into as we're, um, <laughs> Uh, just like watching a Lower Decks episode. But I, I mean, that's what I appreciate about this, this show is like somehow we can start talking about like the philosophy of what why social media exists <laughs> or things like that or like what we're trying to achieve or why that stuff works. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that the, the one other shout out is I, I think it's a, I'm pretty sure it's a California class that Captain Vendome uh, is the captain of because it's a, it's USS Inglewood, which I think, I, th- I, I believe the, the uh, sort of the, uh, the joke for all of the uh, California class ships is that they are um, uh, just c- cities and towns in California, but like not the ones that you would ever actually know what they are. It's just like towns that are uh, uh, rel- relatively small and, and not I, I don't think we're going to come across like the uh, USS Los Angeles or the USS <laughs> uh, San Francisco type thing uh, in as a California class uh, ship. So, um, so yeah. a bit of a shame because they're in California. No. <laughs> <laughs> feels like it's not the point. Uh, yeah. I, 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 we need to go for, for the, the lower deck, uh, type cities. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, Cerritos and Inglewood. I'm sure you're, you're just fine. <laughs> all we're losing all of our, uh, all of our listeners in Inglewood. Um, but in but, trying to get yeah. them back on, um, uh, I did. I did validate the book. It is called "Wanting: The Power of Mimetic Desire in Everyday Life," and the author is Luke Burgess. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but B U R G I S, who apparently draws on the work of French polymath Rene Girard, which sounds very much like Picard. Um, well, there, there we go. It, it must have been intentional. Who <laughs> could have been but related also, to Picard I, at some point? Yeah. I, I must say that that is a that is a, a fabulous like title subtitle combo. I, I I've just got to uh, show some appreciation there. Uh, like mimetic desire, great uh, uh, great term. Uh, so uh, yeah, at uh, ten out of ten on your your titling there. Um, Financial Times Business Book of the Month. Uh, and was published last year in 2021. Yeah, so it's pretty recent. Nice. Uh, yeah. So uh, trying to think how we're how we're gonna uh, divide up the rest of the uh, episode here. I, I think it makes sense for us to like let's just go straight through the this whole bold Boimler uh, 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 section, and then we'll uh, uh, then we will go to, go for a break. So uh, yeah, we 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 have this this bold Boimler. Uh, uh, he's he's now going to say yes to absolutely everything. Uh, which gets us into uh, some space racquetball. Uh, we get a uh, uh, a nice transition over to a Bajoran uh, dirge choir uh, and uh, modeling for oil paint, which uh, 
uh sadly was uh not part of the episode but uh we we at least had the um uh uh what was he he said oil me up uh <laughs> which is uh not not what that what that means <laughs> i don't think he was getting uh, i don't think they were going to paint him with oils uh but maybe maybe that that is what they were going to do because it's the 24th century um uh but yeah so uh then he he gets he starts uh uh becoming uh the least dangerous game when he uh uh off or volunteers to be hunted by Karanch. um uh do you did you were you worried that boimler was in mortal danger uh in in this episode oh for sure they've, they've set that precedent where he kind of uh invites himself into really crappy situations so we knew where that was going um before we get into that one specifically just the way um you know uh lower decks is set up in, in introducing interesting weird uh uh potentially creepy but also funny characters or yeah. backstories to characters um like the security chief doing this dirge thing which is really funny like i didn't know what dirge <laughs> was but i looked that up so i learned a lot from, from lower decks looks like um and 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 then um yeah through the through the oil painting side of things and, and then this one about uh being hunted um i i liked um I like the fact that so that kind of set the stage for for the rest of the episode at least from a Boimler mm-hmm. perspective you knew that there's going to be some fun and and the way the the series is set up Boimler we are now drawn to what's going to happen because we know he's going to be in trouble he's going to be he's going to be running around screaming um, yeah <laughs> so, so so that was nice uh, I like the whole one hour you have one hour uh, to figure it out and then he kind of like sort of fades behind the bar. <laughs> something like that um well and, and, and also th- then just ruins it by showing up at the guy's <laughs> apartment and or like is the place where he's staying and asks him like so what uh what what like what kind of hunt is this <laughs> is it just a metaphorical hunt well to boimler's um well not to his defense but to his um his offense, I guess. Is that what you say? He shows up exactly <laughs> one hour later, which is not making any sense because that's when the hunt's supposed to start. So if yeah, he had yeah. some questions, he should probably ask them before. It it did feel um, self defeating there, but uh, it was also one of those like, I mean, it's funny, I guess. So <laughs> let's just let it go. <laughs> what did you think about Cranch? Uh, I mean, apostrophe in the name and everything sounds Klingon looks yeah, definitely. Kinda like a and it definitely uh, looks Klingon when you you look at how it's spelled because it's like I think it's K apostrophe R uh, capital R uh A N C H um so yeah uh I, I I thought it was a great character because uh uh I guess maybe it's a way for us to like get a Herogen type character but without yeah. having to go over to the uh Delta Quadrant uh and uh i i think it's it's a fun twist because uh if it was herogen then like yeah boimler would just be dead and there would be a smoking ruin uh in in where he used to be and maybe the rest of the ship would also have been destroyed uh but the uh i i, I just i like that there's this this species that um it's sort of like how the herogen would live if they were part of the federation uh which is uh, they would do catch and release. <laughs> it's just, uh, I, I love, um, when 
lower decks is able to sort of uh, poke a little bit of fun at the like high-minded ideals of the Federation as it's shown in Star Trek throughout the other series. And uh, I just I just thought this was a uh, a good use of that. Yeah, yeah. I've always thought. I mean, again, tying back to reality, I've always thought catch and release is probably at least temporarily traumatic to whatever is caught and released, right? Because you have freaking yeah. hook going through your mouth and then it's taken out. So maybe there's some like veiled humor in there on like Boimler having a <laughs> chronic injury for the rest of his life and his left shoulder. Well, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that is probably some, some pointed uh, 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 social critique there. Cause I, I mean, uh, so I, I live in Missouri, uh, uh, plenty of opportunities uh, to fish around here. It's a pretty popular uh, uh, side activity, uh, at least um, uh, maybe not so much in like St. Louis itself, but elsewhere. Uh, and uh, I, I did always have part of the suspicion, like whenever you're talking to a fisherman, they're like, oh, it doesn't hurt them. They, they don't feel it. Like, I don't know that we have evidence that the fish don't feel uh, <laughs> when we poke a, a barbed wire, like a barbed hook, like through their cheek. Uh, like yes, maybe they don't need that cheek so much, and that fish will be fine. Uh, but yeah, like maybe fine in the way that uh, Boimler will be fine. It's just that he's gonna have this permanent injury, <laughs> nerve damage. Yeah, and then moving back to Cranch, I, I, he seemed to be designed in some sort of like uh, Thundercats from like twenty years ago, kind of like bulk, like yeah, upper yeah, body yeah. bulk. But then his weapons were very predator like like you know he was he was always well I guess he was he, he was crawling around on the walls and he mm-hmm. had that like weird boomerang which had the three darts uh, which yeah, are not yeah. the sim- the same as the predator three darts for targeting systems but uh, the predator did have like I think a, a disc which would come back to him like I think it was in in the second uh, movie when mm-hmm. he was killing like uh, drug lords and all in LA <laughs> so. So there was there was there was a bit of predator call out there. The other funny thing I found out, was, I I caught I think was he kind of took his tooth out, right? To like yeah, to know, mark get, him. Yeah, and it was like blood coming out of his tooth, green green blood. Yeah, something um, like that. Yeah, and then in the end, when he was all cool and he was like, "We're done, catch and release, thank you." Uh, it it looked like his tooth was back there, so maybe it grew back or or. Well, I, I think uh, it might have like put it back, but yeah, it, it it's there's definitely like um. I mean, that, that's part of, like, what makes these, like, hunters more scary is, like, when they're into, like, self-mutilation because they're, they are that serious about the hunt and whatnot. So I, I thought it was a it was a great overall great characterization for um, for Cranch uh, and and uh, threw in that extra bit of humor there for uh, uh, that he got mimosas with Captain Freeman. And, <laughs> and then he was like also that. he was also on something during the hunt, right? Like his his pupils. Oh yeah, like, he like had some sort of ritual cocaine. like incense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe just cocaine. <laughs> That's how it affects those aliens. Uh, cool. Well, uh. I, I I was gonna say speaking of cocaine that that's that's not a segue. Uh, let's let's go for a <laughs> let's go for a quick break and we'll be back right after that. And with that, my hunt has ended. Yeah, you're not gonna kill me. Group sapiogs practice catch and release. We respect life above all else. 
That's why we hunt. Oh, thank God. You were excellent prey, but I do have notes. Can you maybe give them to me in sickbay? When you decide to switch it up and become the hunter, you can't just announce it and stand there. It's stick and move, you know? Uh-huh, yeah, I'll keep that in mind. You have earned my respect, Bradwood Boimler. I will be passing along high praise to your captain. Really? Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we... Uh, have done some uh, uh, looking around on the internet and uh, Rudy was able to confirm uh, uh, the thing that he said about Nichelle Nichols earlier, which I have forgotten. Would you like to state what it is, Rudy? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Nichelle Nichols, um, her ashes, or part of her ashes, um, will be launched into space from a Vulcan Centaur rocket uh, later this year. Uh, we don't know when, but Planned for later this year, so she will uh, be immortalized in in the stars in in space, and that's wonderful. And again, the whole there's this connect with the Vulcan Centaur rocket, which is mm-hmm. nice. So, all good things. Yeah, that 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 is. I, I mean, that is like the coolest thing to have <laughs> happen to your ashes. I'm I'm pretty sure it is hard to have a cooler thing happen to them. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, for uh. The rest of this episode, I think it's it makes sense for us to uh, talk about the um, focus on the orbital lift uh, part of this episode. Uh, I didn't do a proper uh, breakdown as to whether this was the B plot or the C plot or the A plot. Uh, who cares? This is just the orbital lift plot. Uh, so uh, the planet Dulane uh, has some sort of uh, uh, transporter interference type uh, uh, stuff happening in its thermosphere. Uh, and so as a uh, a... Uh, a way of getting around that they have built a series of uh, orbital lifts uh, that allow people to get into orbit. Um, and the people of Dulane are the kind of people that uh, kiss instead of uh, shake your hands in order to say hello. So uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and they're scantily clad, uh, very much a TNG uh, season one type of uh, alien race. Uh, yeah. So uh, ransom, uh, uh, takes an away team to, to work on the, on repairing these orbital lifts. Uh, he's, he takes, uh, has a, a, a random switcheroo, uh, and has, uh, Mariner and Ransom be the ones working on the repair duty and Billups and Rutherford are on diplomatic duty. Uh, Rudy, do you think that was premeditated or, or did he switch that at the last minute? Uh, he, he claims later on that he kind of, you know, was setting it up so that he tries to get her to, to break, uh, um, break from following orders. So mm-hmm. he, he, it feels like it was premeditated, but then he's also an idiot. So you never really know. Uh, <laughs> uh, he he could have been, he could have been doing it on the fly. Um, yeah, I mean, a couple of things in there. So this is, this is an episode where they're again, trying at different stages in both plots to like, uh, uh, in a provider homage to like different parts of Trek and sci-fi and, mm-hmm. and obviously the whole ed- elevator thing goes back to Star Trek 2009 um, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 the, and, and the and the whatever you call those do you call them jumpsuits I think that kind of makes sense right like space jumpsuits yeah. um, all of that and I actually feel that this is a more uh, it's a more digestible more realistic um in a way to to introduce the concept of space elevators as opposed to a mining laser that you know drops for like 
dozens of kilometers or something like that <laughs> in the original plot of 2009. Um, um, but yeah. Um, and then again, as you said, going back to, I think the episode was Justice. I, I don't know which season, but it was called Justice. And it's the the fun Wesley episode where he uh, tramples some roses and uh, sentenced I, to death yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like, or, or even just like walks on the grass or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But but yeah. you knew that they were heading into trouble as soon as you saw those people, right? With with uh, <laughs> with. Uh, um, I even think that those scenes, uh, you know, the direct scenes and the ones coming in through the communicators, were airbrushed a little to look a little more glowy. Like you know how pictures in in the tropics in Hawaii just oh yeah look better, especially when you're not in the tropics and you're looking at them, they look better <laughs> in some cold place. You, you, um, you can't tell how like hot, sticky, and sweaty. <laughs> people in the um, pictures are <laughs> everybody had like a nice it was like everybody had a nice red tan but were mm. also platinum blonde at the same time it was so cliche it was funny <laughs> um, um but, but but yeah so 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 i like that and I, yeah I, in summary i do feel that uh, i i well in summary i don't know if if uh, ransom had set that up but um that was that was the introduction to that plot yeah you, you brought up a uh uh, a decent point like uh ransom i feel like his character we've gone back and forth a few times like i, I think in we talked about in in season one they probably went a little bit too far uh in terms of making uh ransom just like a um kind of like a reprehensible like uh sexual harassment type character mm. uh and uh yeah like uh it, he, he seemed like it, it was like just a few jokes away from us having him like put people put things into people's drinks or something like that and uh with season two i feel like we recaptured a little bit more of uh it's like he has his uses but is still just sort of like a silly character and i and i it seems like yeah here here we're, we're like we try to show at the end like yes he's effective as a diplomat but it's for like dumb reasons because it's because <laughs> because of how much he lifts uh, and uh, things like that. So I, I I feel like this is at least a, a better balance for us to be um, uh, playing around with uh, uh, with ransom rather than uh, him uh, uh, just sort of like. Ha I, I mean, there there have been some classic hit, hit, uh, uh, pickup lines when he's uh, been hitting on random characters, but I I, I think they uh have had a tendency to go a little bit too far on his character before so um i i think that this is at least a, like a little bit more palatable of a um uh an approach they have to his character yeah and i was it looked like in the end they were kind of closing like i don't know if they closed out that whole assessment phase or if it'll continue i'd kind of like them to continue into the next few episodes because yeah it it looks like they're invested you know, wholeheartedly in continuing to uh, show us the issues that Mariner has, right? Uh, but yeah. I'd love for them to be detached from her mom because they over overdid that so much over the last two seasons. So, and it's it's like a good opposite ends of the spectrum kind of thing with her and and Ransom. I also feel that we should get to know a little bit more about him. There's that there's a character that you can do more with other than just having him be like weird and stupid and and lecherous and. Yeah, I, I think that that's actually a good point because uh, to some degree, if we just uh, so the first episode of this season seemed like we could have gone 
just into full revert of we get we get uh uh captain freeman back and therefore maybe mariner and freeman are just back at square one and we get we have the exact same fights that they've been having over the past two seasons uh but since we have ransom sort of taking that place we get to uh we don't have to fully retread old ground and we can learn a little bit more about both of these characters uh, without just making everyone regress uh, because it's like funnier if everyone's always the same age or, or it always is uh, going through the same things. Like it's um, uh, uh, some other like nineties uh, cartoon or something like that. So I, I um, yeah, I, 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 th- I think I also would like to see this uh, continuing on through the, uh, uh, through the rest of the season, uh, in a way that I, uh, I, I agree with with how they, in season or in episode one, where they just kind of uh, threw away the plot line of uh, Mariner being, uh, or, or uh, sorry, Freeman being arrested for this whole season. Uh, I thought that was just a, a classic way to handle it. Handle it, but th- this one seems like there's a there's more that we can get out of this, uh, and I think similarly we're going to get a lot of, um, or we could get a lot of. Uh, uh, stuff out of a more bold Boimler who is uh, uh, actively working to uh, try to open up more experiences for himself. Yeah, one call art, though. Um, it's funny how there's there's so much, um, you know, focus and attention on contact and understanding other cultures. And, and in, in, in Lower Decks, we have this concept of second contact and pre-contact and ships backing up other ships making first contact yeah but they always end up with some kind of like weird thing like you know <laughs> whether you're trampling on grass or flowers or exposed not exposing navels and um, yeah and, and here we just did all of them all at once uh and it, it just got worse and worse we had a sentient volcano it's like a psychic baby leader and an intelligent computer <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I mean, I guess the the computer and the volcano go back to different parts of Trek. The volcano being, you know, the, the second Star Trek uh, in the two thousand nine series. Yeah, right? it looks very much like the Into Darkness volcano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then the intelligent computer. We have tons of them going rogue everywhere, right? But what about the yeah. baby? Yeah, the baby never made sense to me. It was it was funny, but yeah, yeah. The the the, the baby definitely seemed like. I, I mean, there was that. Uh, uh, I forget his name. Uh, there's that guy who he played like a weird child alien in uh, the original series. And then they also had him in like the season finale of season one of Discovery. Uh, totally mm. forgot his name. But uh, that's what it most reminded me of. But it wasn't literally an, a psychic baby, uh, I don't believe. So uh, who who exactly knows there? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we, we got a little shout out to Star Trek 2009, even with that dive that Mariner did, uh, where you can Twice. hear a little bit of the music uh, playing. Uh, ah. Yeah, yeah. On the first dive, you hear the music. I don't think it plays during the second uh, second one, but I, I, I appreciated that. Um, so yeah, uh, trying to think of if there's anything really uh, else to cover here. Uh, Ransom has perfect uh, lava tubes, uh, which mm. I think we all knew, uh, but. Yeah. Ed, anything else you want to uh, cover in here before we uh, get into our ratings? Um, not related to the episode. I'm going back to the whole Nichelle Nicole thing. I was just reading up while we were talking. It, it looks like her cremated remains will be aboard what is called the first Celestis Voyager Memorial Space Flight. Um, 
which is a private company that conducts memorial space flights. I guess uh, for, for oh. anybody can do it. Uh, among the remains also aboard the flight will be ashes of Gene Roddenberry, Nigel Barrett Roddenberry, um, and Montgomery Scott, um, Scotty. So nice. Okay, so we're 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 setting up a lot of. I I feel like Gene Roddenberry might already have been put in space uh, once before. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Like at least out of all these people, I think somebody already went once. So maybe it's. Now a collective gesture. Um, maybe, maybe they just got a little bit of them and they send up every time, uh, just to be sure. Yeah. It, eventually yeah. it might come back down to Earth, so we need to make sure it stays in space. Yeah, yeah. Or there's, like, costs, right? Like, per pound. Yeah, um, so we... <laughs> let's not go... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I almost went there, but then I didn't. <laughs> Um, apparently, Celestis will hold a three-day event with mission briefings and a uh, astronaut-hosted dinner. So, wow, this is this is much more uh, thought out and complex than I thought it would be. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I I hadn't heard of it before. So, um, I mean, I guess we are getting into that area where or era where like commercial spaceflight might become more or less a normal thing, uh, as long as you're spending enough money on it i suppose but uh yeah yeah i guess it's all in the tens of thousands of dollars range so it's not too expensive or even thousands to tens of thousands so they send up somebody's ashes well hopefully we're 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 all very far away from that and and it's good that these people are going up um but uh interesting notes yeah uh maybe it'll be hundreds of dollars by by the time it's time for us (laughs) Uh, I'm still hoping we can go up in stasis pods and get um, yeah, but I, get reanimated I, or revived during some kind of second contact situation with the. I, I'm I'm into it. Uh, also, I would also go for the uh, head in a jar, uh, uh, Futurama oh. style. But that's <laughs> <laughs> right next to Nixon. Yeah, yeah. As long as I'm with famous people, that's all I ask. <laughs> I don't think it's too much to ask. Uh, but yeah, uh, so, uh, on, on that note, are you, are you ready to, to give us a, give us a rating here? I will. I will give, um, this episode a nice, um, rounded eight out of 10, uh, eight out of 10 what? Eight out of 10, uh, interplanetary or whatever, spatially launched, uh, remains containers that's all i'm coming coming up with at this point in time. <laughs> um but but yeah it had it had all the all the uh, proven recipes of uh, boimer fun and, mm-hmm. and weird funny characters around him and the screaming and um yeah and and uh, how, how contact can and can keep going keep going along and some interesting lessons as well right around yeah uh, mimetic desire and and how that can go <laughs> sideways. Yeah, no, I I I think that's that's all fair. Uh, I I think for me, uh, just in terms of uh, watching it, I, I mean, honestly, our conversation has made me uh and appreciate and enjoy the episode more, which often ha- often happens. But the the watching experience for me, I think, was closer to a seven. It was uh, I I enjoyed it, but it, for the most part, it was just it was fine. Uh, I don't know that there's that there were a lot of like super standout moments for me besides uh, 
appreciating some of the uh the things that they did or like that they brought back martok just to make him play uh like a game <laughs> uh great great use of jg hertzler <laughs> but uh but yeah so um that's 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 what i've got to say so uh with with that i think we're ready for our end credits which i'm gonna thank uh rudy uh as my co-host here uh i also want to thank uh uh emily bill and uh notch for uh also being our our host sometimes uh i had to get a little bit crazy with our schedule here uh because a lot of us are going to be away this weekend so this is this is how we figured it out so uh thanks adam yeah no problem hopefully one of us is going to historic bozeman oh i'd love to (laughs) that's one thing that we we really should make happen we need to make historic bozeman happen uh i want to thank uh our listeners for listening to us uh each week it's just uh awesome to know that you exist and uh yeah just it's it's cool we 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 love uh uh, getting to do this every single week and uh, if you get to share in that too fabulous uh, I want to also give a thanks to Jishnu Guha for our theme music. Uh, we'll see if I synced up theme music with the actual playing of the guitar. Not sure if I can hear it quite yet, but maybe soon. Uh, it will be it will be good with uh, with that uh, with Bathlets and Binox Binox. there we go yeah uh uh, we should have that that addition made so uh and a very special thanks to captain vendome without you boimler wouldn't have had the motivation to go through this episode in a funny way so thanks stay safe okay stay safe bye bye